0: Welcome to Leo Roundtable at leoroundtable.com. My name is Chip DeBlock, and I'm your host for a group of law enforcement professionals to talk about law enforcement issues, but we do it from a law enforcement perspective. I'm going to go ahead and introduce the panelists. Guys, if you don't mind waiting for the video portion of our show, we have attorney and former federal prosecutor, Ward Mythaller, retired Captain Brett Bartlett, retired Corporal David D. Gresta, retired officer Cody Ann Cook, back with us from New York, and producer Will Statzer. So thanks, guys, uh, for being on the show. We really appreciate it. And uh, hey, we wanna give a shout out to our sponsors this evening, we have Column Case Management, Extra Duty Solutions, GunLearn.com. We have Viridian Weapon Technologies and Guardian Alliance Technologies. And hey, we are now syndicated through Boss Hog Radio in the Tampa Bay area and also Good Talk Radio. Guys, uh, without uh, going any further, let's go ahead and jump right into it. We got some great topics and we got some great videos that we're gonna be talking about as well. So our first one is gonna be on PoliceOne.com and it starts off with, It's a scientific advisory committee, and they say that first responders should get first phase of the COVID-19 vaccine. But my question is, are you gonna wanna take it? It says that on Tuesday, a committee of the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering and Medicine released a draft allocation framework that suggested how to do um, that rationing, and it's proposing Delivering these shots in four phases, so medical workers with direct exposure to the virus would get the shots in the first phase, and that includes first responders, namely police and firefighters. So, that said, guys, I don't know how you guys feel. I know a lot of people are apprehensive about, you know, getting that shot. Captain Bartlett would love to hear your opinion
1: on that. I don't know why you wouldn't. I mean, we've been getting vaccines all our life for different things. I don't understand the I was a cop or a nurse or something. And it was something out there, and they, and I knew it was you know approved and safe. I'd take that thing in a second. I don't understand the problem. Enlighten me. The
2: the, the problem is you don't know if it's safe and effective. They haven't had time <laughs> to experiment with it. <laughs> And uh, you know, you never know what else they're putting in a vaccine. I mean, if you look at people like Bill Gates, who wants to sponsor the future of vaccines, he wants people to get microchipped when they get vaccines for all sorts of reasons. If you follow that train of thought, then there's a good reason not to be getting a vaccine.
1: Can't just you try this on on prisoners, like the CIA did with crack cocaine years ago? Don't they have those people? What
2: available? that? What did you say, Chip? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you.
0: I have said I heard that it makes you lose your hair, so I would advise Brett from taking it, but but go ahead.
3: I've always thought Brett looked a little bit like a guinea pig, but I'm just saying. I don't listen, I I I will voluntarily um donate my uh, shot to the next person in line um, just to see what happens to them first. Uh listen, I you know, again as Brett said Vaccines are, uh, unfortunately, a necessary thing, and and there's going to be a lot of argument about how far the government can push to force people to get vaccines and take vaccines, all that kind of stuff. Um, Ward enlightened us a few shows ago about it, you know, having, if there's a compelling uh, reason, the, the, the government can. I mean, look at smallpox, measles, mumps, rubella, all those sort of things where children get vaccinated and have to be vaccinated to go to public schools and things of that nature. Um, there are, there have, are have been some compelling reasons in the past. This, I don't know. I think there's going to be a lot of pushback against it. But if you're a first responder and you want the vaccine, uh, then by all means, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you no. Very good. Another, the another, war. another.
2: Another component is that with the COVID-19 it mutates very fast, just like a flu virus. When you get a flu shot, it's no guarantee that you're not going to get a flu. It means that you're less likely to get it, or if you get it, you don't have as long of a duration. And they say that COVID actually mutates faster than the common flu, which is one of the reasons it's such an issue. So if that's the case, then that doesn't really give any assurance that a vaccine is actually going to be effective, if not even actually lowering your immune system and exposing you to something that's mutating Uh, I I don't know. I I think herd immunity is the best bet.
0: Well, thanks, Cody. Ward, what about you? What would you do?
2: Oh, I'd take it. And I
4: was with Brett. I didn't understand why people wouldn't take it. And then ironically, I was talking to my neighbor today, and he said, he repeated what Cody said. He said, look, it may not be safe. There hasn't been enough time to test it. Um, With respect to the government making you take it, um, let me repeat what what the Supreme Court said, at least back in 1950, they can require people to do it, but they cannot physically force people to do it. So, I mean, there's a fine distinction there. I mean, they can sanction you, but they they can't grab you and put the needle in you.
3: And, and, and coming, I just had to laugh coming from Morty I take it.
0: <laughs> well, I'm with you, David. I'm one of those guys. I'll, I'll pass. I'll pass on it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm, David, you're probably like me. You probably never get sick, and uh... well, well,
3: no, it's it's not that I never get sick. I've gotten colds and the flu and stuff like that in the past, but I've never gotten a flu vaccine, and I never will. Um, I just, you know, that if you get if you start digging into it a little bit more, like Cody said, the, the mutations and, and whatnot, it's you, you find out that the way they come up with the flus the flu vaccine for this particular year is they take a really great guess at what they think it's going to be this coming year, and then they make up the vaccine for that thing that they guessed about. You know, an educated guess, but a guess nonetheless. And then they give the vaccine out. So you're like going, what? No, you can have it. I'll I'll, I'll pass.
0: Yeah, that cocktail. So Cody doesn't want the cocktail, right? All right,
4: nah,
2: you No, know, no way.
0: <laughs> so Ward, do you want to close us out on this topic?
4: Well, something just dawned on me. Maybe it's why Brett and I are, are less concerned about it we when we grew up we were getting vaccinations all the time whether it was polio or mumps or measles or chickenpox and so i'm kind of used to it so i i don't think so twice gotta, about it
2: you got to think about one thing those are really specific diseases that aren't prone to mutation a chickenpox chickenpox you know polio's polio the vaccine has been the same for many 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 years when you're talking about COVID-19 and it's something that mutates and the government's talking about limiting your travel unless you have a COVID ID card that says that you got a vaccination, that's infringing on people's rights. And if you actually start to look at both sides of the table and look at the anti-vaxxers who don't want vaccinations for their kids and see amount, the amount of people who actually get injured by vaccinations or die or get permanent thing, you know, uh, brain disorders and neurological issues, there's high amounts of mercury in many vaccinations. There's a lot of problems and there's even doctors and data that support this. So you know, when you start expanding upon what mainstream media is selling you about vaccinations, it actually gets pretty scary.
1: And I gotta tell you, the more they would push it, Ward, the less I would want it. Just, I just don't like being pushed. Uh, when I got the vaccine for the plague all those years ago, remember when we were, you know, living in medieval England, remember, Ward, it was just a whole different thing. Wow.
0: See, I know I noticed out of everybody in the group, Ward pulled you in and said when you guys grew up, you were getting shots together and all that. I was thinking, wow, <sighs> phew, I barely missed the cutoff, I guess. So
1: yeah, wow. I remember thinking, fire,
0: good. <laughs> all right. Good topic, guys. All right. Well, hey, uh, before we go any further, I do want to um, talk about gunlearn.com. Captain Bartlett here knows a lot about them. No matter how much you know about guns and ammunition, there's that knowledge gap which leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. GunLearn.com, they took the confusion out of learning and they made it easy. GunLearn.com, it's the First, and it is the only company that offers a step-by-step program that takes you from your present knowledge level to become a safe, accurate, and competent firearm specialist. They provide citations from federal law and ATF rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy, and their training is actually approved by major forensic organizations, law enforcement agencies, and firearm manufacturers. Since 1996, they've taught everything that LEOs need to know about firearms and ammunition to all facets of law enforcement. Start today with online training or register to attend a live seminar. You can actually get free training for yourself and your personnel at your agency by hosting a seminar at no cost to your agency. So come aboard as one of the most firearm knowledgeable people in the world by joining the folks at gunlearn.com. Captain Bartlett did, and he is certified. I didn't say certifiable, I said certified, yes. All right, moving along, I know Brett, I know. I don't want people to get that confused. All right, we got a video coming up here we're going to be talking about here. And yes, we are on policeone.com for this. This video is of an in-custody death and it sparks protest in New York. So we're in Rochester and the death of this man, it's in a Western New York City, it sparked protest after the video of the March 23rd arrest was released this past Wednesday. So our guy's name is Daniel Prude. He's 41 years old, visiting his brother in Rochester when police found him running around naked in the streets during a snowstorm. I mean, I would normally think it was Tampa, but uh, according to Syracuse.com, Prude's brother called the police because Prude was having a mental episode and medical examiners later determined that Prude was in a PCP-induced state of excited delirium and acute intoxication. It shows that uh, body cam video, uh, you have Rochester police ordering this naked guy to get on the ground, they're putting him in handcuffs, and then they put a spit hood over his head, and then one of the officers uh, presses his face, the bad guy's face, into the pavement for they say two minutes. Now, Prude was taken to the hospital, and he remained there until he was um, taken off the of life support seven days later. The medical examiner's report classified his death as a homicide uh, due to complications of asphyxia in the setting of physical restraint, is what they said. And of course, homicide just means it wasn't a natural, you know, death. Uh, excited delirium and PCB intoxication were. Listed as contributing factors. David might touch on some of that stuff. Now, it says that since the news of this encounter broke, protesters have taken to the street. They're calling the death of Prude because he's black. They're saying police brutality, and it's another example of racial injustice. And according to WHAM or WAM, nine people were arrested related to demonstrations in downtown Rochester on Wednesday. And then an update to this, we've got the Rochester mayor, Lovely Warren, what a name, huh? Ordered the immediate suspension of seven police officers that were involved in the death of Daniel Prude. She also rebuked the police chief, LaRon Singletary, for the way that he handled the case, including a failure to inform her of the full details of the March 23rd incident until early August. And here's what she says though. Remember, this is the Rochester mayor. The only way we can confront systemic racism in our city is to face it head on so she's automatically assuming that the police department that they're racist and it's a systemic problem there cannot be a justice system for white people in a justice system for black people that's unbelievable that she said that um, and also the city council's letter to the mayor which was just before her press conference a call for placing the officers administrative leave dismissing all the charges against the demonstrators after the their arrest on wednesday and a financial commitment to mental health services and they also wanted less aggressive police response to protests, which I thought was just, you know, just a beautiful thing, not. So uh, I know. Uh, Brett, you want to start it off and then, Cody?
1: Sure. Why not let the naked guy run through the snow and the cold? I mean, what's the big deal? It's not hurting anybody. It's not hurting the cops. It's not breaking any laws. I mean, people stand in the street all the time in this country don't get arrested for anything. So let him run down the street. I mean, uh, uh, I was mistaken all those years ago for thinking the naked, sweaty guy in the middle of the intersection, squaring off with, against the truck, was a threat to society, and, and me taking him into custody for a Baker Act. Turns out that was just wrong in, in the light of all these other things. So yeah, just just leave the, the naked guy uh, alone, let him run. It's not hurting anybody.
0: Thanks, Cap Cody.
2: You know, I don't know what the initial call is that even brought the police in there in the first place if it was actually a citizen reporting that he was naked or his own family. I saw an interview a snippet of an interview with his brother who had said he had called law enforcement. Um, it was his brother. Okay. So, yeah, I, just, I, I just think the, that watching watching the you know, the video a number of times actually I'm probably not going to have a fan club for this, but I think the law enforcement officers were cold and callous. You know, you have a man who's high on drugs, obviously has a mental health issue. Not your problem to solve his mental health issue, but call EMS in there to get a hold of him. In the meantime, if you got to take him into custody, put him in a car and get him safe and secure in the back of the car or put a blanket over him and get him sitting up on the curb. I mean, like, leave him on the road. He was relatively compliant at first. Then he start he begins spitting and they put a spit hood on him. And he continues to spit, so what? Where's the spit going? It's going on his own face. Why does that? Why is that justified for you to go and start smashing his head down into the ground and holding him and calling him non-compliant? He's no threat to you. He's not kicking you. He can't spit on you. He's not resisting arrest. He's just loud and obnoxious. Let him be loud and obnoxious and deal with it. That's your job as a police officer. You put up with verbal abuse and people being obnoxious all the time. So I it actually, honestly, to watch this video pissed me off.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I personally don't have an issue with them, you know, stopping the guy from running around. Brother calling him. He's running around naked in the snowstorm. I mean, if you don't do it, you run the risk of this guy freezing to death or dying. And then, you know, you're going to be in the grease for that. I mean, I remember when. Abso- you know, absolutely. Decided-
2: I agree with you there. Nope. I agree nope. with you. I mean, if they got nope. called and he's out there naked disagree. and it's indecent, he should have, nope. they should have dealt with him. That's true. Nope.
3: Nope. 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 Absolutely not. Um, at this point in time, I would suggest every, every law enforcement, Agency uh, basically step away from any call that comes in that says uh, there's someone having a mental crisis here and we need the police. Say that's not our job anymore. We're not doing it. Call uh, call EMS, uh, call the mental health uh, facilities, call whoever you want, but don't call us because we're not coming to it. That comes it, from the it, top this- down.
0: The officer can't make that determination on his own.
3: I realize that, but I, I said every agency, I didn't say every officer, I said every agency should, should implement those policies and not respond to those calls any longer. It's not, it's not your job um, as, because as a police officer, that's what you do. You take people into custody and you restrain them. Um, you, you're not social services, you're not an ambulance service, you're none of those things. Uh, you take people into custody and you restrain them, you arrest them, that is restraint. And uh, you control them so that they are unable to do anything. You take that liberty away from them to do certain things. That's called an arrest or being taken into custody. How you do that and pinning him to the ground, sorry, that's a, that's a viable thing to do in, in, in a situation like that. The thing that, that, that pisses me off even more is when you look at these medical examiners and the way that they, they word these things, instead of saying that the, the, the cause of death was excited delirium and PCP intoxita- intoxication that led to asphyxia in the setting of physical restraint. They, they put it all on the physical restraint as if, as if that is what caused this whole thing. So if that's the case, if that is actually true, then no more, phys- no more physical restraint and all these people will, will, will be alive. Hence, no more police response to any of these types of calls. Let's do that.
1: Thanks, Corporal Captain Bartlett. I, I agree with Cody at this point. They sh- the optics of putting a hood over somebody's head is just horrendous. No matter what it's there for, you know. It, and unfortunately, <laughs> the guys don't have that time to think this. But, but how's this going to look in the morning? Putting a the hood there. There's got to be. There has to be other mechanisms. I, I saw that hood. It didn't look like it was. It was a spit hood. It looked like just a mesh bag. Yeah. I don't know. But just step step away, <laughs> step away from these calls. Let society have its way. Let society come up with social workers to come deal with these mental health issues. Right on, just keep your eyes on the guy, make sure he doesn't hurt anybody, let him run naked through the street. Um, he's, he's still dead no matter what happened. The cops took him into custody, he's dead. If he runs in the street and he dies from cold, isn't that his choice? Yeah, Captain, and, I, have a, I personally have a problem with putting a
0: white hood on a black person. I think that's wrong. I think it's highly inappropriate. Oh,
3: Jesus. Listen, no one's going to bite on that? Yeah, Come on. No. The, 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 and the idea, unfortunately, the idea of putting a, you've got people, you've got the entire society walking, walking around wearing masks, and you can't put a spit hood on some guy who's spitting at people? Give me a break. There's, Give me a there's break. There's no problem with Do it.
2: There's no problem with putting the spit hood on him. The problem was is that once they got the spit hood on him, they're all standing around like they got an injured cow on the ground that they're watching flip around. He's not doing anything. And then all of a a sudden the police officer gets pissed off and jumps down on him, starts pinning him down. They weren't trying to move him. They weren't trying to cover him up. They weren't doing anything but just standing there watching him. Now all of a sudden you got a problem and you got to start restraining and pushing his face into the ground.
3: Where the head goes, the body follows. Where the head goes, yeah. The body well, there's follows. no reason to push his and head on the, the ground. Way, he wasn't doing anything that
2: justifies that, David. It's absolutely abusive. It's total. That's,
3: b- that's the way you pin people to the ground, and I and again, I don't There's No care. reason
2: to pin him to the ground. I'm not I saying that's care. not how you pin people. I don't disagree that there's times you got to pin people, but he was not doing anything that justified being pinned. Sorry, I watched the video was, if, a bunch of if, times. No way. If he way. was
3: flailing, if he was fa- flailing and struggling, he's he's getting pinned. If he's spitting and going and going off in that way, where they got to put a, a spit hood on him, he's getting pinned. Um, maybe Fla- not. Flailing maybe and not. Struggling. Need-
2: he's sitting on the ground maybe having need a need condition fit like a two-year-old because he's high on drugs. There That's you go. That's not justification to pin someone. There more. you
3: go. Yes, it is. Absolutely, it no, is. No, it's
2: not. If you can't take somebody being verbally abusive to you, and your your protocol is to go and start pinning them I on the care. ground by their head because Once? you don't like it, oh poor baby, is your feeling? Are you hurt because somebody said no. something to you? That's bull crap.
3: Once you take somebody into custody, he's your responsibility. So if you allow him to sit on the ground and flail around and he injures himself, that's your responsibility. So therefore, you pin him to the ground, you hold him in place so he cannot hurt himself or any, anybody else until the ambulance gets there. He's your responsibility. Or you get him in a patrol that's car like and saying, lock him up. Or it. you put no, a blanket no, no. over
2: him and cover him up. I mean, if, you, can be, got, you can have some stability and decency come, and still do the job.
3: No, bullcrap. that's not the way it works you don't you're not a babysitter you have somebody in custody he's in your he's in your custody he stays in your custody he's your responsibility you're not going to let you sit back absolutely i agree with that but that doesn't mean you need to pin his head head on the ground bull crap where the head goes the body follows you pin everything to the to the ground if you don't like the way if, if you don't like the way he was holding his head he didn't have his neck he didn't have his shoulder didn't have his back okay what can we pin now his foot his toe give me a break it's, it's 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 a viable way of pinning somebody to the ground. Where the head goes, the body follows. And that's just the fact.
0: Yeah. Well, it, it looked like some of the video might be missing, especially the point where we started wearing the hood and what happened before that. I didn't, it, yeah. it, it almost looked to me like it had been edited a little bit, but uh, it let me wonder well, here, why. Here's
1: a, here's a problem, Chip. When, and David is, I agree with David at this point. Once you take the person, once you've taken custody of the person, then they are in your, that you owe them protection, however you deliver that protection. So let's just not even, let's not even just say, look, man, if you're having a thing, go have a thing. Tell the brother, call his counselor. Have, tell, him, tell the counselor to bring bring to get him out of the street. Uh, bring fire rescue, go bring him a blanket. But what, What? maybe we shouldn't be taking these people into custody, period. And, and if we do, then, then, it's, then, then we're faulted for the way that they handle it. Not on this show, but other people fault you when you, own, when you grab that person, you own that person. They're absolutely. And, and, and if that guy, if he had flailed around and hurt something, they failed to intervene. Now they're going to gripe about that. Let him take yeah, you it down the street.
3: You, so you put him in the back of the car and he's banging his head against the window. Then you got to hog tie him. Okay, we hog tie him. Oh, that's horrible. You can't hog, hog tie somebody. Well, at what point do you restrain someone because you have to? And that's just the bottom line. My first my first option, as Brett said, is don't respond to these calls anymore. That's That would be my choice as a police administrator. Guys, we're not doing it. Uh, we'll call fire rescue and and whatever. Let them let somebody else deal with it because it, it, it's a no-win situation for the cops at this point.
0: Now, now people listen to our show, Brett and I have been producing these deadly force scenario training videos for a while. We've got 11 under our belt. If you go to leoroundtable.com, you'll see them at the bottom of the page. Um, I think, Brett, you know, we've been talking about redoing them. This whole COVID thing has set us back a little bit. Um, Ward's back in town. I'm thinking, uh, how would a spit hood on Ward look? Or we could maybe use producer Will, you know? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm just, these scenarios are running through my mind all of a sudden. And and I, I think yeah, Ward might
1: be <laughs> You know, it comes in directions. You don't put the, the hood on Ward and then spit on him. That's not the idea. <laughs> That's not talking it's it's trying to stop stuff from coming out and not going in. Uh, I forgot. I, That's I, the way I, it works.
4: I thought I was supposed to grapple with Andrea. That's what I'm looking forward to.
0: <laughs> we're we're gonna have yeah. We may have you with Cody and Andrea. <laughs> I know. Better yet. Uh, you're in a world of hurt ward. I I predict pain on that one, buddy. Pain. All right, moving along here then, uh, good discussion guys. Let's go to our uh, next, we have a uh, main topic number two, it's on policeone.com again. Now, David, I was really thinking about you mostly when we. I decided to take this article. It, it says that, it's written by a guy named John Harrelson, it says, neither warrior nor guardian, why we need a hybrid officer. David, I can't wait to get your input on this, but the subtitle is, with the current spotlight on police reform, we need to be first to the table to discuss a new way forward. So it says that uh, bring up the warrior and guardian philosophies if you're in most briefing rooms and this guy guarantees that one of those will grab attention and that the other will garner eye rolls. And he said, guess which one it is. So he starts off talking about, of course, the warrior philosophy. He says, let me be clear, the warrior philosophy has a necessary and useful place in modern policing Without question, in a life or death situation, a warrior mindset is invaluable. However, to make it the singularly philosophy, to make it the singular philosophy of your approach to policing is a mistake. Now he talks about the guardian philosophy, uh, focusing primarily on social services um, and these aspects of policing. Um, and then he talks about the hybrid approach. He says so. Which approach should modern police forces employ with a question mark? The answer is both, with an increased emphasis on the guardian approach in police training and officer development. He says that most police departments focus in, wow, he says, he he acts like it's too much time almost on training on firearms, defensive tactics, and legal issues because they're high liability areas. Uh, Yet, what message does it send to our officers when we spend hours on these topics, but only a fraction of time on de-escalation, negotiation skills, or developing community relations? Wow, I, I can't wait to see whether you agree with that, David. Now he's got a whole course line out there. Um, I'm not gonna go through all that, that's enough. But Captain Captain
1: Brett. Well, you know, at this point we're just tossing out words and the words are starting to lose their meanings. But here's what it is. What does society want the police to do? What does a, what does a community want the police to do? If they want them to be social workers, fine. Say it, train them. If they want us to protect the people from harm, say it, train them. I say this, I'm okay with the words, warrior, guard, whatever, here's what it is. If you get this picture, I'm the warrior with my shield, in front of me is the bad guy, behind me are my people. My community's behind me and my shield. I will protect them from whatever's front. The people behind me may not like me a lot, but they're behind my shield. We're not gonna go party a lot after the battle, but I will save those people. But if you want me to be a social worker, fine. Take off my badge, take off my gun, and just tell me to go help people. I don't see the hybrid that much. You, you, And that's the problem with how we got here. We're laying too much stuff on the police, too many responsibilities, too many things. a have to be a, a pseudo-doctor and a pseudo-social worker. We weren't, we weren't designed for that. We're designed to protect the people from harm, from people who would do them harm.
3: Thanks. Cool. Yeah, the, you know, the... the what bred said what Brett said, the unfortunate part is some of the what ends up happening is a lot of the people that are behind us that we're protecting end up being in front of the shield on occasion, and that's where things get a little sideways. I will say that you know the the general premise, and um, I think everybody said it, Cody said it before about being able to transition from that warrior mindset to the guardian mindset is an important factor in being a successful law enforcement officer, and I don't think anybody uh, says otherwise, but you know, you know, the idea of one or the other and hybrids and, and all that sort of stuff. Again, it's it's the same thing being rehashed over and over and over again that we've been doing for for years, as long as I can remember. Uh, as police officers on the street, it, it was that it was that same thing. We always did that. If we saw someone that needed help, we helped them. If we saw a, a bad guy that needed to be dealt with, we dealt with them. And so you have to have both, hybrid whatever. I mean, I I, I looked up this this agency and, and, um, you know, where, where this came from. And it, it, there was, you know, um, it, it, with the training and Brett said it before, you've got some people that are all will have lots of training. Others is like, I don't have time for this. We're going to go through the academy. We're going to have in-service and that's going to be it. Um, the Ori County police department is a 281, uh, sworn person agency in South Carolina, um, you know, a, a population of 300-something thousand people. So in a, in a setting like that, okay, some of the, some of the strategies that he uh, sets up, oh, okay, I, I can see that. Go for it. Go for it, brother. You know, good job. But you start getting into some of these these bigger agencies where you've got thousands of cops and, you know, hundreds and hundreds, you know, Tampa's like, what, three million people when, when the population is, is at its max on a, on a weekday uh, and, and everybody's at work in school. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm just—I'm—we've been doing the same thing for years. I'm just not seeing a big—a big revelation in this article.
0: Thanks, Corporal. Well, Ward, it's all up to you, the voice of reason.
4: Well, I've complained about the word "warrior" several times. First of all, I don't think it's true. But certainly, from my perspective, a word like that can be—you can be used against you in court, as it was. In a case we saw a few weeks ago. Um, So, at any rate, I've come up with the right phrase that should be masculine enough for for all you testosterone types. And uh, it it, uh, takes off on what Brett and Dave said about being protectors. So, rather than warriors, we're going to call you tactical protectors.
0: Oh, is that like anything like tactical yoga or is that different?
4: Yes, uh, yes, I got that from tactical yoga. Plus, anytime you go out (laughs) to buy clothes, it's always tactical this and tactical that. Uh,
1: And I wear black.
0: (laughs) Wow, you had to go there. All right, very good, guys. All right, well, uh, interesting article, interesting discussion, guys. So uh, thanks a lot, appreciate it. Well, the Viridian Fact Duty weapon-mounted camera. That's what I want to talk about now this idea was born when the company owner, the employees watched as communities around the country were literally being torn apart and burned down over the lack of evidence in multiple officer involved shootings. They used existing patent technologies and innovative design to create the fact duty that's FACT duty and it's become the only gun camera in wide use by law enforcement across the nation. The gun camera fits standard duty, police uh, weapons and holsters, and it records automatically as soon as the gun is pulled out of the holster. Provides an unobstructed view of critical use of force events from the end of the firearm, and it overcomes that inherent issue that you have with body cams, because nothing's getting in the way of the camera with the FACT-Duty. So, body and dash cams are not designed to capture officer-involved shootings, however, the verting gun cameras were designed specifically for that purpose. The FACT-Duty employs a 1080p full high-definition digital camera with a microphone and a 500 lumen tactical light and Viridian's proprietary incident on technology means that the fact duty generates just a small fraction of the data to manage compared to other law enforcement recording options because it only records when the officer's weapon is actually drawn. This results in significantly lower comparative data management costs than other evidentiary camera systems. Remember A lot of this cost comes from the storage of data. So data is stored securely and easily transferred per agency protocol with existing software technology. More information on the FACT duties available at gun-camera.com. And we do appreciate their sponsorship. All right, guys, we'll move it along here. And uh, let's go, I think we got another video up. This one's covered on both policeone.com and leoaffairs.com. Now this video shows a fatal officer involved shooting of a California man that sparked protests. Now, we're in Los Angeles County. Now, this video was obtained by The Times of a controversial shooting. And the guy is cyclist DeJon Kazee by the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. And the killing has sparked two days of protest in the Westmont community. Uh, and police use of force is what they're saying is the problem on Black people. Now, yeah, we have the same narrative through all this stuff. Now, and, and you know, I do mention it because. You can tell where the media just loves to stir the pot on this crap. Uh, you know who's white, who's black, and is you know, motivate. They're saying the motivation for all the protesters, of course, is social injustice. So neighbors, family members, and activists say the shooting was unjustified. Situation could have been handled without deadly force. They noted that Kazee, our bad guy, twenty-nine years old, was trying to get away from deputies and did not point a weapon at them. They don't say he didn't have a weapon, but just that he wasn't pointing at them. Um, I'm surprised they don't say that, well, he didn't shoot the gun at them. Uh, The encounter on Monday afternoon began when two sheriff's deputies from the South Los Angeles station, they spotted a man later identified by the coroner as Kazee, riding a bicycle in violation of vehicle codes. And as people watch the show, you may or may not know that if you're riding a vehicle on the street, you have to obey the traffic laws, just like a vehicle would have to. So deputies attempted to contact Kazee, he drops his bike, what'd you do? He starts running. So we are automatically start off with non-compliance, which is what 99.9% of all these bad encounters start with. And uh, he runs for a block, deputies are in pursuit, they try again, they make contact with him, they catch him in, he punches one of the officers in the face. Then Kazee drops his jacket that he's been carrying and a black handgun falls to the ground. Now the sheriff's department said on Tuesday evening that Kazee made a motion toward the gun and the deputies opened fire and killed him. And it says the handgun was recovered at the scene. Now the video, it's crap. I mean, it's grainy and it was obtained by the Times. It shows a physical altercation between Kazee and the deputies before he tries to get away and he falls to the ground. So keep in mind that the gun's on the ground, he falls to the ground. And he's, you know, he's going for the gun, and so at that point the two deputies open fire multiple times. So I'm just astonished that people don't think it was a good shoot. So now you've got this guy, a, a Plumas County Deputy Sheriff. His name is Ed Abashi, and he's a supposedly a national expert on the use of force. And I'll let you guys either agree or disagree with him, uh, but he said the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department will likely face questions about why deputies chased after a man over a minor offense. Now remember, this guy's got a gun. Now they didn't know it at the time, but he he had a, he had a gun that they initially found, that they found out about eventually. While deputies have discretion in those circumstances, he says that they have to weigh the risk benefit of pursuing someone for a violation as minor as this. He also said it's unclear what prompted the deputies to fire. Uh, I didn't think it was, but uh, anyhow, that said, any comments on this video, guys? Remember, we are talking about California. We got some more stuff uh, coming California. I think Ward's going to start this off. So go ahead, buddy.
4: Well, I, I don't understand why the police would chase after anybody for a bicycle violation. Uh, I, I can't imagine anything that serious on a bicycle, but may, maybe so. I didn't read this story the same way you did, Chip. All I saw was a mealy-mouthed expression made a motion toward the gun. After 45 years of writing legal briefs, I, I know mealy mouth expressions when I see one. and. Uh, I don't think we know enough to make a judgment at this point. I well, I didn't just, read anything about us didn't read anything about a struggle for the gun. If that's the case, it's totally different.
0: Well, no, I didn't read anything about that either. But I, I'm comfortable enough in saying and I know David, you got your mic open, but I'm comfortable enough in saying that I don't I haven't seen anything that makes me believe that it's a bad shoot. It looks like a good shoot so far to me. So
3: Corporal Dave. You know, um just to, to answer Ward, I mean it's it's the uh, it's the broken windows theories um, you know, you, you, it's the small things that lead to the big things. And in this case, it was, they see someone, uh, in a, an area that's their, that's their responsibility. Uh, he viol- this person violates some minor code and they're going to just, they're going to pull him over, stop and talk to him and just to say hi, because now they have a reason to the person reacts in a non-compliant fashion. They, they run, he drops the bike and he takes off running. Well, now you've got my attention because, really? You're gonna run over because I'm because of a bicycle thing? And, and as, we, as we pursue you, whether on foot or we just kind of following along in the car going, hey, dude, just kind of pull over. We're just gonna to talk to you for a second. Um, you make contact with him again and he, he ends up getting into a fight and punching one of you in the face. Now you've really got my attention. Then the foot pursuit continues and, and the, the gun comes out of the jacket onto the ground. From at, at that point is where things get a little bit, or have the potential to go sideways as Ward said. What were the actions? Did the gun fall to the ground and the guy was three feet away from it, five feet away from it? Was he trying to get back to it? What exactly happened that caused the officers to then use deadly force? That's where the questions come in. All the other stuff, up, all the other stuff leading up to that is just basic street police work. You see things, one thing leads to the other. And before you know it, you found a guy with drugs, guns, or whatever. Stolen property, stolen bicycle, uh, stolen whatever in, in his, on his person because he, he, he fled. That was the first flag that goes up. So that's, that's where I stand on it. Again, not enough video, not enough information to make a determination, as far as I'm concerned, as, as the relationship between the gun on the ground, the, the, the bad guy, and the deputies then employing deadly force that's going to be where the the argument uh, takes place
0: thanks david and uh you know i've just written here online rick uh, mucha is saying how many times does a broken tail light lead to a trunk full of cocaine which i thought was an excellent point because the last time i had well, i should not say the last time but yeah I, i've uh, scored some good ones i mean you know uh, i remember yeah, thank- one guy on a bike running for me wrong way down a one way he was an escape he was a signal six escape prisoner no way, I would have known that if I wouldn't have, uh, you know, pulled him over for, you know, going the wrong way in one way, and then the
1: pursuit, yeah. jumped off the bike chase, all that. Yep. My uh, oh, my, my son's God. first traffic stop, when he was a rookie, first day for a taillight, drugs, guns, and money. First traffic stop. Yeah. So good tool. I mean, and and look, if they're
0: on a bike, I mean, I know there's other arguments for the whole bike thing. I think it's a great tool, and you know they are just like motor vehicles; they have to obey the laws. So if you let them slide on it, you let them slide on it. But it's a great, it's a great tool if you're an aggressive cop. So, all right, guys, moving along here. Then all good input. Let's go. We're back on policeone.com. Now this is for defensive tactics trainers. I was a defensive tactics trainer, and it's something that they're doing. So defensive tactics trainers, line officers are wanted for a survey on training and officer safety. So they've got um, Sergeant retired Don Gullah, retired Sergeant Jonathan Wender, PhD, and uh, with uh, Polis Solutions. So they, they say, what would you do to improve defensive tactics training for law enforcement officers? Are you a defensive tactics instructor? Are you an officer who wishes they had more or better training? And you have an important opportunity to share your opinions and concerns in a confidential survey. I think this is a great idea. Polis Solutions is requesting officers and trainers from around the nation and abroad to participate in a major survey effort to improve understanding of law enforcement defensive tactics training and how it affects officers' decisions and actions related to use of force. Now the purpose, it's a comprehensive survey project and they're trying to collect vital information from defensive tactics instructors, trainers, and law enforcement officers in support of the adaptive defensive and protective tactics, that's ADAPT program. And uh, you know the U.S. Department of Justice Bureau of Justice Assistance National Officer Safety Initiative, so it's NOSI, um, is part of this. So it sounds like a pretty good a pretty good deal. Um, I hope that people will have you know will producer will will put up you know links to the survey. I encourage everybody to do it. It looks like you need to be active to take it, not not no. retired.
3: No, no, uh, Chip, I was I was that's what I I was going to say. I, I went through and looked at it because I was curious. It, it didn't it didn't indicate what that was. But there is, a, there is a place where it asks you what your status is and retired is one of the statuses that they ask for. So perhaps, it, it, it appears anyways, that if you retire, you can also uh, take the survey. That I was going to add that in. So there you go. Thanks.
0: David, thank you very much. Excellent information. So uh, people, uh, watch the show. Uh, we will get this up uh, during the week. And we'll have, look, if you want to find out really everything that we're talking about in advance, watch the videos and stuff, simply go to our Facebook page. Uh, look it up, it's Leo Roundtable. And on Monday before our live show, I upload the full storyline, links to all the stories, videos, the whole nine yards. So you can actually do that and get a jump start on a link to take these surveys. So, all right guys. So uh, thank you so much to our panel for being here guys and adding your expertise. And also column case management, extra duty solutions, guarding lines, technologies, gunlearn.com, averting weapon technologies. Thank you. And uh, guys at Boss Hog Radio, we've got a, a great, great list of guys here and Brian Burns with the free press. Hope everybody has a wonderful and a safe week, guys. Good night.